for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. All right, this is the last message in our series on the local church called The Gathering, a community set apart by the gospel as a compelling witness of Christ to the world. I haven't seen people in a long time, so I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little nervous, which is, uh, feels like it's the first time I'm doing this. Anyway, one of the blessings of my life is that I grew up and around strong women. For just every stage in my life, there was just always a strong woman around somewhere. There was my mother who overcame cancer, put herself through school, raised four kids by herself, and now she's, she's a little crazy if you meet her, but we love her, but one of the strongest uh, women uh, in my life. Then there's Kim, who if you ask her, she's raising five boys, right? There's four, and then there's me. But just strong, right? You come to our house, and if it's organized, it's because Kimmy lives there. It's not because of me. Then there's my sister, my oldest sister. Her name's Kalisa, but in Jamaica, you got two names, so we call her Rochelle. And she, she basically raised us. And then there was this lady, my grandma. I lived with my grandma for a while. My mom was having a hard time raising us when we first came to Canada, things were tough for her, and so we moved into with my grandma for three years. Now, here's the thing about my grandma. This woman played no games at all. She loved you, and sometimes you knew she loved you because she was feeding you, and sometimes you knew she loved you because she was throwing a slipper at your head. <laughs> but the thing about my grandma was she always gave very clear instructions. When you lived at her house, you knew what to do. First of all, she'd tell you, you were not allowed to whistle. I was in the backyard the other day putting the, the patio furniture together and Zion started whistling. I'm like, yo, don't whistle in my house. He's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. That's what my grandma said. <laughs> she said, it's for grown folks, so you don't do that. Then there was this other one, no laziness. She worked hard. And so she's like, she expected that from everybody around her. There was no avoiding family. If she threw a barbecue and you didn't show up, the reason why I love barbecue season is because of my grandma. You go to the barbecue. You couldn't avoid family. Family was everything we, were, we had to be there. Then there was this one. There was no TV after school until 7 p.m. That one was tough. And then the only thing you could watch, I'm not making this up. The only thing you could watch was Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Now, here's the thing I know. I, my boys, Eiffel loves Wheel of Fortune. Here's the thing I tell them all the time. Pat Sajak and Vanna White have not aged. <laughs> but that's all we were allowed to watch, and we had to watch it with her. And then there was this one, no touching a lady's purse. That was just flat out disrespectful. You don't do that. Again, I don't know why all the rules were there, but you followed the rules. Now, the way my grandma gave clear instructions, Jesus gives clear instructions to his disciples before he goes to heaven. Here's what he says. He tells his disciples, this is our big takeaway from the message today. 
Jesus tells his disciples to make more disciples. It's that simple. He tells us to make more disciples. That's why the message title today is, brothers and sisters, here it is, we've got a job to do. We have a job to do because Jesus gave us this job. And here's what I want to do in the message. I want to give us confidence in the mission that Jesus has given to us. I want to give us clarity on the process. I want us to see how are we supposed to do this thing that he's called us to do. Then I want to give us comfort as we do the work. That's the three things I want to do in the message. So we're in Matthew 28, verse 16 says, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. So we see here that they obeyed Jesus. They did what Jesus told them to do. Obedience is, is expected from disciples. If Jesus calls us to do something, we are to do it. It says, when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. They worship because they were in the presence of God. That's why they fall down here and worship. And the resurrection, remember, this is a post-resurrection meeting. The resurrection was just another proof of that reality that Jesus is God. So they fall down and they worship. But notice that it says in the text, some doubted. They worship, but some doubted. That's because doubt is a part of the discipleship experience. Don't you, don't you feel sometimes that you have these moments of doubt where you're wondering, well, in those moments where doubt starts to creep into your life, when you're having doubt, what you need to do, what you and I need to do is first we need to speak to God. In times of doubt, we tell God, here's what I'm doubting, here's what I'm wondering about, here's what's going on, here's what's causing me to be anxious, here's what's bringing fear. We speak to God, but then we do this other thing, we listen to God. We speak and then we listen to God. Where do you listen to God? In his word. Faith comes by hearing the word. We go to the word to be reminded of truth, reminded of what God says, reminded of who God is, reminded of our reality in Christ, and we find hope. When we do those things, we are, we are going on the train from the station of doubt to the station of faith. You're on your way. That is the way we replace doubt with faith. We speak to God. We listen to God. Matthew says that Jesus came near to them. He came near because he's got something to say to them. Verse 18, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now, if you talk to a group of people and say, who's, who's Jesus? You get, a, you get a, a bunch of answers. Religious leader, really nice guy, did a whole bunch of nice things really engaging storyteller. You know, if you talk to Jesus, what he'd tell you? If you asked him that question, he'd say, I'm the king of the world. Notice what he says. All authority has been given to me. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and say, he's not making it up. Come on. Say it. Say it loud. Tell him he's not making it up. That's right. I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. All authority has been given to me. Jesus tells us here in the text that he holds all the power. All the power belongs to him. That's our first point today. And here's why he can say this. Because he has authority. Put it up for me, Eddie. Come on. Don't leave me up here. 
Jesus has authority over the nations. Here's why he can say this to us. Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Again, I always look for a spot to talk to the unbeliever in the message. That's the spot. If you, you know that you are trapped in sin and you're looking for a way out, Jesus is the way. He has the authority to forgive you. And if you turn and believe the gospel, he will the moment you do it. He has authority over disease. That's why we pray and we lift our voice and ask God to pray to heal those who are sick. Because if God wants to, he will and he can he has the authority to judge, and there's a day coming where that is going to happen. He has authority over nature. He has authority over death, all authority. Jesus, what he's trying to tell us is that he has authority up there and down here, every area. And what he says is actually a fulfillment of Scripture. In saying this, it fulfills a promise in Daniel 7. It says, I continued watching in the night visions. And suddenly, one like the Son of Man was coming with clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Why? So that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. That's where the world's going. And it's probably a good idea for us to get with the program now because you don't want to try to get with it later. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never, will not be destroyed. This is who we serve. Sometimes we just got, we need to slow down and just remember who Jesus is. This is who we serve and this is who sends us. This is, this is actually what drives what he says next. It's based on this true, beautiful, powerful reality that drives what Jesus says next. Look at verse 19. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He says, go. Notice Jesus didn't say evangelize. You notice that? He says, Go and do the deeper and broader work of discipleship. That's the command. The main verb in this verse is make disciples. It's not go. Make disciples. Jesus, what he does here is he tells us to engage in the disciple-making process. That's what he's doing. He says, go and engage. This, this verse... Sorry, this verb, this make disciples, in the Greek, it, it's, it means to make a learner. To make a learner. See, a disciple is a student. A disciple is someone who continues to learn. And you're like, why are you telling us that? Why are you telling us that a disciple is someone who continues to learn? So that we would be humble. That's one of the reasons. See, because what this does is it reminds us that at no point in this process, this discipleship process, does anybody ever arrive. There's never a person, a mature believer, an immature, who is in a spot where they don't have something to learn. All of us, all the way through the process, has something to learn. And so we are to be a humble people. Now, the way there's a process to making pancakes and the way there's a process to making patties I'm thinking about those right now. There's a process to making disciples. The first step is going. He says, 
go therefore. Based on what I've said, go and get into the work. The first step is going. And this going needs to be local and it needs to be global. That's what he wants from us. Jesus wants us to share the gospel with the people who live with us. There's a good word for parents and fathers, as Pastor Yogi was praying about. The, the, the children who the Lord has put into your life are not there by accident. He wants you to tell the gospel to them, the people who live with us, the people who live around us, the people who are far from us, the people who are different from us. All the nations, the text says. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. My hope and the hope of the elders of our church is that one day, people from this little flock will go to different parts of the city, different parts of the world with the gospel message. And that's our hope. How come nobody said amen except Pastor Sean? That's our heart. See, the heart of our church, part of the reason why we, we, I, we preach, choose to, pro, chose, what am I saying here? Let me get my words. Chose to preach this series is because we want you to know fully the heart of your elders. We don't want anybody in our church ever to doubt where we're at on certain things. And our heart on this is we don't want to be a church that hoards and keeps. We want to be a church that disciples and sends. Why? Because Jesus tells his disciples to make more disciples. I told you, we're not trying to just go wide. We want to go deep. Then we want to send out and say, go do a new work. Go start something. Or go over there and help that church that needs to be revitalized and brought back to life. Get up and go. And that's going to hurt a little bit. But that's, what, that's good for us. That's healthy. That's what we want in this flock. So start praying. Maybe ask, is God calling you to be a part of something like that someday? And then share. Now, I want to tell you a story. I got a couple of stories for you in this, but I was driving home from university. You guys know this. I went to university on the East Coast. Most of you know this. And I was driving home, and uh, it's an 18-hour drive to get from the small town that I went to school in, Antigonish, and Ed, St. Francis Xavier, still the greatest university in the world, I don't care if you went to UFT. It does not matter to me. It's an 18-hour drive. And so I'm driving home with my friend Ray, and we have this rickety old van. I don't even know where he found the van. The van had no seats in the back. There were two seats, a driver's seat, passenger. So, and there was four of us coming home in the car. Now ask yourself, where were those brothers sitting? Well, they were in the back, because you know what we did in the back? We put a mattress out. And we said, just lay down, pray nobody pulls us over. And if somebody pulls us over, you're getting arrested. But I'm not. So we're driving, and the van is old, and we are going down the road, and then it starts to rain. And I mean a different kind of rain. And you know the rain where it's just like whipping off your face? Well, Ray Ray, my boy, turns the windshield wipers on. Well, guess what? They don't work. <laughs> and I'm saying, you cannot see. And so he looks at me. You can ask him this story. I'm not making it up. He looks at me. I look at him. And you know what he does? He pulls out a squeegee. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I know right away what needs to happen. <laughs> 
I put my hoodie up. I tied the hoodie on. Because we got to go home, okay? Trust me, when you live in a small town and you can't get any cooked food anywhere, you want to get home. So I rolled down the window, tied up the hoodie. I took the seatbelt and I locked it around my leg. You know, <laughs> university days, right? And I roll down the window and I hang outside. Yeah. Extended it and got to work. And he's driving and I'm just cleaning the windshield, cleaning. And this is like a good 20 minutes. Just getting this, it was hard work. Now I tell you that story because I want you to know the way that was hard work, so is making disciples. It's not, it's, it's hard work. You're like, I don't see how they connect, but they can, I'm telling you for me, they connect. It's hard work. That's why Jesus gives us the help that we need. Here's what he says in John 20. Maybe I just wanted to tell you that story. As the father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us the help that we need. He says, you need to, in, in, in doing this, he says, you have to do God's work in God's strength. We have to rely on the Spirit in the work. And as we go and do this, courageously sharing the gospel with those around us, be ready for mixed responses. Some people will mock you. That's just, that's the reality. Well, you believe that? You believe that nonsense? Or isn't that, isn't that something that's just full of hate? And sometimes we just need to, we need to receive that and then step in and clarify all the ways the person's misunderstanding. And all the ways some of the people, some other people have, have helped to, to sort of bring misunderstanding around those things. Step into it. Then there's people who are going to want to talk to you more. They're going to ask questions. And then there's others who will believe. They may mock you. Some people will say, let's, I want to, you see this in Acts, let, we'll want to hear you again on that. But then it says, but some believed. That's why we take that step. And when they believe, we do the second step, which is baptizing. The second step is baptizing. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a physical symbol of a powerful spiritual reality. Here's what it symbolizes, this inward reality that I've been purified from sin. When we take that step, we, we're, we're, we're declaring, I've been purified. I'm, I'm righteous in Christ. There's this union that we have with Jesus Christ. Then there's the outward symbol that, that I'm submitting to Christ. That my life now is I'm ready to live for Jesus. And you're declaring to the world. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not hiding my faith. I'm going public. And then there's this commitment to the church. I'm saying this local body is the family that I belong to, that I'm calling to hold me to account and help me walk in the faith. It's a powerful spiritual reality. Baptism, the way you can say it is baptism is faith going public. Faith going public. And I think next week we're getting to baptize. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm saying it right now. That guy right there, back there, Tommy. And if you can get there, you should come. 
think there's going to be some singing going on and maybe a little talking, but it's a special moment. He's taking a huge step of faith. We trust that God is going to bless it. So we baptize. And then the third step is teaching. Verse 20, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And here's what Jesus wants us to teach in context, right? We're in Matthew 28. The things that Jesus wants us to teach others is the things he said in the Sermon on the Mount earlier. He wants us to teach about loving our enemies, something that is so hard, but we're going to hear about that in in upcoming messages very soon. He wants us to teach about marriage, about sexuality, about worrying, that we are are to be a people who, who don't worry, Because our Father loves us. Our Father knows all the details about us, knows everything that we need. And as we sung in so many songs, His faithful will never leave us hanging. He wants us to teach people about anger, the fear of man, speech, money, honesty. He wants us to teach these things. Tony Evans said this. This is so important because Jesus doesn't want us to just teach information. He wants, he wants us to encourage people to observe, right? Teach them to observe everything I've commanded. Tony Evans said, the goal of discipleship is to help people become progressively like Christ in character and conduct, in attitude and actions. The goal is not merely, here it is, to impart knowledge, right? We're not just giving information for the sake of information. It's to help people apply knowledge, Here's what the truth is, and encouraging them to walk in it. The effectiveness of a church is evaluated. This is so important. This, is, this helped me when I read this in his commentary. Not in the number of its members. Right? Sometimes we look, we're like, oh, it's big over there. It must be something going on. It must be real effective just because people are showing up. That doesn't mean that that's true. Not in the number of its members, but by its disciple-making. This is so good. It's the absence of discipleship that keeps the church impotent and ineffective. Yes. It's okay to talk. Amen. See, Jesus, what he wants is he wants us to bring people into the faith. Then he wants us to walk with them in the faith. That's the discipleship component. And then he wants us to encourage them to live the faith. Bring them in, walk with them, shoulder to shoulder, walking together. And then encouraging, saying, live this way. The kind, the church that does that, the church that lives like that, that behaves that way, will make a difference in people's lives, will make a difference in the culture because people will change and grow. That's what he wants from us. I want to introduce you to somebody right now. This is Bunny. Bunny lives at my house. Bunny belongs to River Craig McCoody, our second guy. Now, you always know when Riv's coming in the room because Bunny comes flying in first. Right? Like sometimes you're in the kitchen and it's like, pfft, you kind of have to talk like the Matrix. Now, when Riv's going to bed, he needs Bunny. When Riv is upset, he needs Bunny. When Riv's about to relax, he needs Bunny. 
right? Sometimes you'll, you'll hear him be like, Dad! And I'm in the basement hiding. And I'm like, Riv, what? He's like, where's Bunny? I can't find Bunny. Because Riv, Bunny brings him deep, lasting joy and comfort. He was given Bunny when he was, when he was born. The, the day a friend of mine just brought him and he's been in Riv's life ever since and he brings him comfort. And the way Bunny brings Riv comfort, what Jesus says next in the text should bring you and me comfort. He says, teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. Watch this. And remember, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus here tells us that he is always present, that he's always present. This, this, this word here, remember, if you got an ESV, it, it says, behold. Behold, it says. And that's because Jesus is trying to get their attention. He's saying, look at me, listen, listen. What I'm about to say to you is very important. I am sending you to do something that's really hard. I'm sending you to do something that's going to stretch you, that is challenging, that is demanding. But remember this. Don't forget this. I am with you always. Always present. If you have a CSB, if you don't have one, you should get one. The footnote says, all the days. Behold, I'm with you all the days. Another translation says, every day as you live. What Jesus is saying to them should bring them comfort. He's saying it for that. He's also saying it so that it would give them perspective. That there's no point that you are without God. That there's never a spot that you're in looking to make disciples or live as a good disciple where Jesus Christ does not have all power all the time, always present with us. That's why we can say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are all the time. He says in verse 20, to the end of the age. This is talking about when things wrap up. When the credits roll. To the end of the age. See, Jesus is in heaven right now watching over us. But that's not all he's doing. Let me show you. Jesus has an ongoing ministry in heaven. He is preparing a place for us. Do you know that? That there is a definite place being made for Phil, for Jermaine, for Neil, for Selena. And when you get there, it's going to be blessed. He's going to say, come on in, Merlin. This is for you. I've been preparing this for you because I love you. I've been making this room ready in, the, in our father's mansion. This is where you're going. Check, the, check the, the verse reference if you don't believe me. And then he is interceding for us. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you right now? Every single, the next time you get down, the next time you're in a down moment where things are tough and difficult, just remember this reality. Jesus Christ is interceding for me, lifting me up in prayer. 
So that I would continue to fight the good fight of faith. So that in the tough time, you would not give up, but you would hold on, trusting him. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to us. Jesus ministered to us. Son, you can come on up. Jesus ministered to us on earth. And he ministers to us from heaven. And here's the thing. When the time is right, at the right moment, he will come to get us. And sometimes I think we think that's just a fairy tale. You read and, you, and the scriptures say that the skies will break open and that, and that everything will stop and everyone will know at that moment that the king is coming. You, it just feels like this fairy tale ending, but it's not fairy tale. It's true. Hebrews says, he has appeared one time at the end of the age for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. Not to bear sin, I love this, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He is coming again. And when Jesus shows up, we will be like kids in a candy store. We'll be like Pastor Sean in Jamaica, like filling the drum kit, full of joy. Full of joy. Why? Because our salvation will be complete. Full of joy. Why? Because our hope, all our hope will be fulfilled. Nothing will be missing on that day. It will be only joy. And we can't hear it enough. And in days like this, we need these sorts of reminders. See, we're in process. But Jesus is going to complete his work in us. Our world is a broken and hurting world. But trust me when I say that Jesus is going to put it right. All made right. I started by telling you that my grandma gave clear instructions. Here's one last one she always gave. Do what I tell you. And you did it too. Remember that slipper I told you about? Do what I tell you. Well, Jesus said something similar. He says, all who love me, do what I say. John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. Brothers and sisters, we have a job to do. Here it is again, our big takeaway. Jesus tells his disciples to make more disciples. And this is a text that reminds us that our lives have hope. It's all there. That our lives have meaning that our lives have a purpose it's also a text that when you look at it deeply look at what Jesus is saying in it it reminds us that the one who sends us cannot be stopped all authority says given to me that's who sends us father we pray 
that you would help us to be a people who embrace, continue to embrace. There's so many people, Lord, in this room that are doing this. Continue to embrace the process, the mission that you have sent us on. We pray, Lord God, for our little flock that you would help us, God, as we've come to the end of this series to think deeply on what it means for us to be a church, to practice healthy membership, to practice healthy discipline, to have a good understanding of what our spiritual reality is, that we're a spiritual family, to take seriously coming to the table and enjoying communion and all that that means for us, the reminder that it is of what you have done for us, Lord God, and what is to come as it points to and anticipates the return of your precious son who gave his life for us. And Father, as we think about deacons and elders, Lord, we thank you for the, uh, the men and the women that you have raised up, Lord God, in our church to lead and to be a part of the shepherding and caring of the flock. We pray, God, that you would help us to do these things and do them well in the power of the Spirit. And Father, as we think about the mission that you have given to us, I pray, Father, that this would be the beat of our heart to see other people sharing in our joy, experiencing our freedom of life in Christ. Would that compel us, Father, to share the gospel with those around us and embrace whatever may come with that or go somewhere else, Lord God, with the gospel for the glory of your name so that those who belong to you will be brought in to the family. Father, help us to walk by the power of your spirit. Help us, we pray, God, to know that you cannot be stopped, that you send us on a mission, Lord God, that we can have success in, that we won't fail, Lord, if, as we depend on you, to bring people into the family, yes, but also to help them grow and live in obedient ways, Lord God, to you. Help us do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.